Welcome to another episode of Tell Me a Story. My name is Ljubica. And I'm Sarah, and today we are going to discuss about cultural differences and how we can use them to make our community richer. Today we are going to talk to a very ambitious and successful young woman, Aisha Chebi, from the United States. Um, she's a creator and the host of the Hybrid Podcast and the winner of the Princeton Prize in Race Relations. And I think it's time to welcome her to our show. Welcome, Aisha. Would you like to kind of start off by telling us about you? Because I don't know how much you've heard, but kind of the point of our podcast of Tell Me a Story is to hear stories from inspiring people like yourself. And we want to hear from you. When did your story start? What do you think? And how has it affected you? How has it changed through time? Go ahead and tell us. I'm from Miami, and I definitely think that my story started really, really early on in my life. Um, so I am um, half Cuban. My mom is Cuban and my father is Tunisian. Um, and so Tunisia is in North Africa, completely one side of the world. And my mom is Cuban, completely other side of the world. Um, and I grew up in the United States, which is such a diverse country with so many different people and so many different cultures that I think trying to figure out my identity and learn about myself started at a really, really young age. When I was growing up and I would try to hang out with other Cuban kids because there are a lot of Hispanics in Miami. Um, I was never Cuban enough for them because I was only like half Cuban and, and wasn't really super immersed in the culture. Um, and then when I was hanging out with Tunisian kids or Arab kids, I wasn't ever fully Arab either. And then to American kids, I wasn't like completely American, even though I was born here. And so there's there's a lot of identity crises that happened early on in my life because I was always forced to think about my identity and who I was since I didn't traditionally fit in anywhere. And so that's difficult to, to try to think about as a kid. And so throughout that journey, there have been a lot of different experiences um, like bullying and different things in between because of my identity and because of my Muslim identity as well. And so from a young age, I really had to look into myself a lot and try to figure out who I was and how I was going to portray myself to the outside world. And so that's a lot to make a little kid think about, right? Because all they want to do is, is fit in. And then when I was little, now I'm really comfortable in my own skin and being myself and being completely unique. But when you're little, you really just want to like fit in and, and make friends with other people and be like them. And so that's really difficult to think about. And so I think that inspired me to take on culture just because I was surrounded by so much culture from a really young age. And then as I went into high school and the climate in our country became more political and more divided, it was it forced me to have those conversations out loud and not just with myself um, and to talk to other people about their experiences and, and, and how that multicultural experience is actually really beautiful and something I'm really grateful for. Um, and so, yeah, so I would say my journey started really, really early on. Um, I wouldn't pinpoint like one experience necessarily, but there have been a lot of experiences in between, which sort of forced me into, or pushed me more into um, the world of talking about culture and identity and, and things like that. Oh, you kind of mentioned that you were to some extent forced to speak out loud because of the political state of things. Was it scary at first? Were you hesitant about it? Or did you kind of feel like this is something that has to be said, has to be done? Sure. So I'm going to reference the podcast specifically because I, 
I always spoke out in like, actually, before I started the podcast, I'll go back a little bit. Before I started the podcast, um, I was a speaker at a March for Our Lives rally. Um, so that's March for Our Lives is the movement um, to end gun violence, especially in schools. Um, because at, in a, so I don't know if you guys heard about the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas shooting. And so that was a shooting that happened in a school, like an hour or so away from me. And that was really close to home, even though it wasn't my school. Um, and so that was really tragic. And so I spoke out at a rally in Miami two months after that, um, in protest. And when I was on stage and I was speaking, my message didn't really have anything to do with culture or identity. It was just, it was strictly about ending gun violence and especially in schools and so but I am a very visibly Muslim woman I wear the hijab I've been wearing it since I was in high school and so I am very visibly Muslim and that even though I wasn't addressing that at all that's something that came across when you saw me on stage and so when I was on stage I actually during the middle of my speech um, there was a group of anti-protesters like protesters who are protesting our protest, if that makes any sense, because there are always a little few of those at every um, every event. And so they were in the back of the crowd and they just started booing me. And I remember, um, and it was really, really tough to hear. And they said some things that um, I don't want to repeat that were like very Islamophobic and very hurtful. And so I remember that moment very vividly. And I remember, I remember like being s- still on stage for a second and, and and wondering whether or not I should leave or if I should continue. And that was really hard because even though there were more supporters and people talking in favor of what I was saying and more people telling me to keep going, it was still really hard to hear that in the back. And so little by little, I, I decided I had to stand my ground and there was no other way. I wasn't going to let these group of people silence my voice that I worked so hard to fight for and to, to amplify. So... So they slowly got drowned out by support and by, and so I just kept going. And so that was a really powerful moment for me about speaking up and the power of speaking up. Um, and eventually they, their voices um, were drowned out, but that was really, and I remember that inspiring me to also start the podcast because I remember thinking like silencing myself isn't an option, right? So I have the power to use my voice and to speak up and, and to do so, then, then why wouldn't I? So yeah, starting the podcast was a little bit scary in that sense. But after having that experience, I think it was kind of more empowering to start the podcast and to talk about it since I had had those experiences before. And even if there were going to be negative experiences coming my way, I knew I could handle it. And so, so yeah, that's, that's what I would say about um, starting the podcast and, and whether that was scary or not. Um, in one of your podcast shows, um, you said that you would like to um, refer to the cultural differences and generally to like the United U.S. community as a salad bowl rather than a melting pot. And I thought that was really, really interesting. And would you like to like elaborate on that and... Um, just explain to our audience what you mean by that, because that I think it's really important. It's like an essential part of your own, like growing up and being accepted and like forming your identity, as you said. Uh, that's a great question. First of all, thank you for listening to the podcast. And so, yeah, so in one of my earliest episodes, I talked about how we should describe the multicultural like pluralism that exists in the U.S. And so... Typically, when you look at American history and how America is talked about, 
like the different identities in America are referred to as the melting pot. And so for a really long time, immigrants have come to this country and have been an essential part of this country. And the idea of a melting pot, which is traditionally used, is more so of an idea of assimilation, where somebody, if somebody immigrates to the United States from their country, they will come in and adapt to the American culture and completely like leave behind their own culture and just assimilate into what other people think the American culture is and what the stereotypical American culture needs to be. And so that's the way a lot of people have thought about America for a really long time, um, that there is one American culture and that everyone who comes here needs to assimilate to it and to, to be exactly like that in order to fit in, in order to succeed, etc. But but yeah, I beg to differ with that. And that's when, and there's a newer model referred to as a salad, salad bowl, which I agree with much more, which is that everybody from wherever country you come from comes to the United States. Um, and instead of having to strip themselves of their old identity or their heritage, um, they're able to bring that. And it, that's what makes America more beautiful and more diverse. And America is a country of immigrants. And so everybody can keep their own culture while also contributing to American society and being American. And, and being American doesn't necessarily mean having to get rid of your old culture or your heritage. It, it just means adding more to it and, 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 and yeah, and adding more to it. And it becomes even more beautiful in that way. And so I, I like that idea much more because you still have this bowl, this cohesion, but everybody doesn't need to be the same for it to, to work. Everybody can still have their own differences, their own opinions, their own beliefs, their own traditions, and still be in part of society and still and still succeed and do well. And so I like that idea much more because in my experience growing up, I've been able to see people of so many different cultures. I've been able to meet so many different people and see them not only keep their heritage, but use it um, to drive them to success and to use their backgrounds and their tradition to motivate them and and to have them do well and so so yeah so I hope and I, I'm starting to see more young people see it that way but I'm really hoping that the the culture or the perceived culture of what America is in terms of immigrants is is more like a salad bowl because I, I do like that idea much better and, do you, and I think it's more accurate too and do you think that because you mentioned younger generations do you think that the younger generations will continue moving forward as a country that is not just uniform, I guess we could say that way, but a country that celebrates different cultures? Or do you think that some things will still stay the same and that it will still be a struggle, let's say, 20 years from now? That's a hard question, yeah. And yeah, because I, I'm very hopeful in our generation. Um, I think we're a generation that has seen a, like, even globally, not just in the United States, that have seen a lot of hardship and a lot of growth. And I think our generation is, is one of, if not the most outspoken generation in terms of, like, our age. Um, so, like, previous generations, when they were in high school, weren't organizing nationwide marches. The March for Our Lives rally was organized by a bunch of teenagers no, really. And so with the help of adults, like we need, we need adults that we need to cooperate, right? Because in the end, like they're the ones in power, we have the right to vote. And I think our generation is going to use that. And I, we have the power to do a lot of really impactful work. Um, I've seen so many marches and movements and nonprofits started by people my age or younger. And so I think I, I'm lucky enough to know so many people who are making such a big impact. I know a ton of people who have started 
nonprofits and organizations for different causes, whether it's to teach girls coding so they have an equal access to education about technology, or if it's um, a global health organization to give supplies to countries that are underfunded. I think in a lot of ways, I've seen our generation do a lot of change and do a lot of change for the right reasons. Um, obviously, I might be biased because I'm part of this generation. And so I want to say that we're super impactful in, in leading the way. And I think it's important because we still have our adulthood ahead of us. And if we're doing so much now, then there's no telling what can be done in the future. I'm not, I'm not naive, though. And I know that we need cooperation of adults and good leaders, which we have. Some We have adults who are willing to listen, right? And that's why our voices are able to be amplified. We have adults and mentors who believe in us and who want to see our our story be heard and who want to see us do well and make change. And so both of those things are really important. But yeah, without a, without a molding of, of the general consensus of American adults and just globally, yeah, change won't happen, but I think it's happening. But I think an attitude of our generation is that we're going to change whether you like it or not. And so we're, we're also at the same time while we need adults to help us and mentor us and we're not obviously... I'm super grateful for all the mentors and adults in my lives. Like I know I would be nothing without that mentorship and guidance as well. We are kind of our generation as a whole is kind of like knocking down people's doors in, in a figurative sense and, and saying like, we're here, we're coming, we're making change. What are you going to do about it? Like it's, it, that's a kind of, it's kind of cool though to be a part of and to witness. And it's, and, I, and I'm glad that it's, it's for good for the most part, right? And so I'm, I'm really glad. And I'm really glad to have this opportunity to speak to you guys and, and expand outside of the US and see what type of things people are doing globally. And so that's super cool too. And so I'm really lucky to be a part of this generation. I think I think young people are really important. Do you, do you, what do you think about that? Because that's a really hard question. Um, I think I would like to just um, build upon what you said. I think that our generation has really seen a lot of progress. Like if you take a look at, you know, things like uh, how things were 20, 30, 50 years ago, the situation was a lot worse. And I think that our generation has seen a lot of progress. And I think that that has come with um, speaking um, about these issues, talking about them, I mean, standing up for what we believe in. And I think it's important that more and more people are actually starting to speak out and, you know, have more voice. And I think that's really important and that that is what is going to bring improvement and ensure a better future. I think it's really important to also, while we are acknowledging and while we are making change and while we wake up every day consciously deciding I'm going to change something, we also should not forget the past. Even though, because we mentioned 20, 30 years ago, 20, 30 years ago, things were very different and that was not right. And even though some of those things are right today, 20, 30 years from now, we're going to look back at this time and think, oh, wait, we could have done more. We should have done more. And I think that's really good with the new generations that we realize that we always have to strive for more, but also we have to acknowledge the mistakes in our past before we can we can actually move forward because if we just keep it's it's like soccer basically if we just keep kicking in the same spot the goalie will know where it's going and he's going to be able to block it but if we if we change our game if we realize this doesn't work we can find something that does work and we can make it 
we can make it so much greater. And I think that's that's the whole point of, of this. But like talking about like present now, like because, you know, since media plays a huge role in shaping the public opinion, do you think that media successfully portrays the cultural differences um, in the U.S. or globally? Or do you think that there's still more space for improvement? Okay, so that's, that's an interesting question. I think media is a, is a field that still has a lot of improvement, but also has made a lot of progress. Um, I think that's one reason why I got into the podcasting space, which because it's, it's such an underused um, but really important media that, that people that people should, should tune into more, especially our generation. Um, I think a, a podcasting still right now is a lot of adults listening to, to different podcasts. And so my podcast, and, and I'm sure yours as well, is trying to get more young people um, to use media for change and things like that. I've definitely seen, with regards to whether they put media has been able to portray different cultures well, I think the issue lies less in um, a bad portrayal of cultures, which I'm sure exists, um, and which and which I'm familiar with, but more of like a lack of representation, if that makes sense. Um, and so growing up, if I looked to like movies or TV shows and I tried to find a character that looked like myself or or just was similar to me in any way, I couldn't find that, right? I think maybe the closest I've ever gotten to finding, to like looking on TV and saying, oh, that girl looks like me or like talks like me or is probably like Jasmine from Aladdin. Have you seen Aladdin? Yeah. Yeah, yeah so that's probably the closest I've ever gotten and Agrava isn't even a real place and that whole culture isn't even portrayed well. Um, so, so what's interesting, I'm going to go on a tangent about Aladdin really quickly. So Aladdin doesn't so for me i'm arab right and so i wanted to see oh where is like an arab woman in movies that i could like identify with and so the closest i got to that was jasmine but the thing is that that the media what they did with that movie is they smashed a bunch of different cultures together they took indian culture and southeast asian and and southern south asian culture and Middle Eastern culture and North African culture, and they kind of combined elements of all three into one movie. Um, and so that's really hard when you generalize a group of people so much that you think you can just put all of their identities into one movie, which isn't really accurate. And so what that's what I was saying about a lack of representation is I never really saw myself in media, and I still don't think I do. I still don't think I can easily find a, a lot of media roles um, that I feel like I'm being represented in. I think there have been some advances, definitely, in, in in media for a lot of minority groups, but I think there's still a lot of work to be done with that. And that's just, that's not only in movies, um, that's in, like, TV and, and, and books, and I think there's still a lot of work that needs to be done in media. I think it's a, it's a very, it's an industry that develops very, very quickly, um, and it's always changing, it's always moving, but I definitely still don't feel represented in in media at least the media that i'm consuming in america right like i'm sure in arab countries there might be more muslim female characters but where i am right now and i think given the fact that america is so diverse i think our media has a lot of work to do because i think the leading roles and the characters that are represented are still the same characters time and time again and if i if i do see a muslim portrayed in in a movie or on tv it's usually as the bad guy which is also not helpful um and which is also something that so i think the media can do 
harm in that way by by pushing those stereotypes that people have that's definitely a field that i think needs a lot of work to to portray the different cultures in america more accurately um and more authentically when it comes to representation in the media and you mentioned that muslim people specifically are usually either not seen at all or seen as the bad guys. And actually, fun fact, this is something Sara and I discussed prior to this episode about how different countries are portrayed as different stereotypes in other countries. And we kind of wanted to see where Serbia fit into that stereotype and where the states fit, where Russia fit, stuff like that, like the bigger countries. But why would you say, where did these stereotypes come from? Do they come strictly from ignorance or do they come from a darker place? And as such, can we correct them by consciously saying we need to change this? Or is it, again, something that's just stationary? What, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, stereotypes are interesting because I think, I don't think there's a singular root of, of stereotypes or, or, or one specific place that you can pinpoint. Um, I think uh, a lot of it does come from ignorance and a lack of education. Um, and so oftentimes that those beliefs that are that are made from a lack of education or ignorance um, are passed down to other people and then that turns are passed down like through families through um, through friends through conversation and then those become more harmful and those and later on translate into into harm against other people um, but that, this is hard it's really difficult because stereotypes are, are something that's so prevalent. Um, yet so difficult to, to unpack. Um, I think that, for example, I don't think that, for example, um, that Muslim stereotypes started when 9-11 happened. Um, and that's definitely when they took off and when there were more of them and when it became pervasive in society. Um, and so I think from that singular event, maybe also that's how stereotypes, I think, spread. And so from, but I think at the root of it is a lack of education and a lack of like um, understanding of other people. And that's what I'm trying to do with the, with the podcast, for example, because a lot of people, I'm going to talk about my own experience because I can't talk about stereotypes, for example, of a culture that I don't, um, that I don't identify with. Like I can talk about it, but it's not as personal as my experiences are. And so my experiences are what I know best. So I'm just going to go from there and then I can try to generalize it. Um, but I know a lot of people who have stereotypes about Muslims, but before um, meeting me, they had never met a Muslim before. And so, or they've never done anything to try to educate themselves about what Islam is or what we believe in. Um, the word Islam literally means peace. And so we have in America a stereotype as being like a violent and hurtful group of people, which is totally not true at all, especially given like literally the name of our religion means peace and, and, and the people who stereotypes about us are based off of aren't even considered to be Muslim. And so it's difficult. It's difficult to manage that because I think nowadays it's becoming even more unjustified to have certain stereotypes because I saw this thing on a poster. I'm trying to remember what it said. I think it's in the age of information, being ignorance isn't an option or something like that. Like we have so many resources now, um, to, to learn about other people and to get educated and to, and you can acknowledge that you don't know everything. Like, I'm not saying everybody needs to know everything about every culture and everybody, but you can acknowledge your lack of knowledge in that area. Um, 
but still work to improve yourself and still work to combat those stereotypes and not make stereotypes off of harsh judgment. And so going more generally now, I think that stereotypes don't always stem from a place of hate. I think they stem more from a place of um, ignorance and not knowing certain things about other people. And so when we don't know something, that can scare people when they when we don't know something. And so trying to make stereotypes kind of kind of fills that void and tries to help people justify what they don't know. Um, but then that turn ends up later to become hurtful and hateful. I don't think it starts that way though. In in most cases, and maybe in some it does. But I think it. I think the lack of I think the ignorance and the lack of knowledge turns into hate later on, which is really unfortunate because because it, it does really have real consequences and it manifests into real damage to other people i think the best way to combat that is education and storytelling and listening to the voices of of other people and of other people that you don't know and acknowledging that you're still working to to combat your own biases but yeah it's a very difficult question um because there's i'm sure there's like course college courses and books about how stereotypes are and it's such a difficult thing to unpack but what do you think about that i'd be interested in knowing well, I think stereotyping in general, as you said, is a way of explaining things we don't understand. And it kind of, I think it starts from curiosity rather than simply ignorance. Because in the, in the old times, people couldn't explain light things, so they, they imagined Zeus. And I think even though it's, it's on a much larger scale and a much more dangerous scale... I think people couldn't understand how cer- certain person from a group could be bad. They didn't understand that person. And so they generalized it into an entire group of people. And now, because of the bias of a few individuals who couldn't understand something, and who wanted to understand but couldn't, a lot of lives are endangered, and a lot of people end up being hurt either physically or mentally because i think in general mental health issues are just as important as physical health if not even more so in in the current times because we're always online we're always talking and we're always looking at things and those things can hurt us whether we realize that or not and in the first episode sara and i talked about how sometimes when we see something that traumatizes us we don't realize that until much much later and I kind of talked about my own experience there, but it was a bit of a different situation. It had nothing to do with stereotypes, but I think that's yeah, something. That's and I think that's what that's where it all comes from. It starts from curiosity, in my opinion, turns into ignorance and then into hate. And that hate is, to some extent, very prevalent in the world, and that's not good. What do you think, Sara? What is your opinion on stereotypes? I would have to disagree that it's, I don't think it starts with, from curiosity um, specifically. I think it may in some cases, but I wouldn't say that stereotypes have been formed solely because of curiosity. I think that um, in some cases, I think, I think we as humans find it difficult to accept change. And I think for something, to accept something that's different. So I think when we are confronted with something that's different from something that we, like you said, that we don't completely understand, but just that it's something that it's a bit unusual for us. I think that we kind of use this defense mechanism and therefore use these stereotypes in which we kind of uh, degrade other cultures or races or groups of people 
um of course in some cases it may be to justify some things we don't understand like some stereotypes like for that are connected to old people for example um but i think in some cases it may be some kind of defense mechanism and our way of coping with or accepting or actually not accepting um these differences between us because obviously I'm more familiar with American society and, and what stereotypes are really prominent in America. Um, can one of you or both of you um, elaborate just because I'm not super familiar with what Serbian society might be like and what stereotypes are, are prominent where you live or what is that, how does that look like and, and what do you think? Because, I mean, one of you at least has traveled to America, right? Have, yeah, we've been to Chicago. We've both been to Chicago, now? yeah. Oh, have? Okay, perfect. Um, so, um, and maybe even if it was for a short time, you were able to to witness some of our culture and some of what like society is like. Um, so just wondering how that is where you live. I think it's really good that we started this discussion with your story and your experience and talking about cultural diversity in the United States because the American community is so much more diverse than Serbian. And I think it's a lot easier to notice these, these differences I think that when we think about cultural diversity, we automatically think about the United States and some other part of the world. We don't consider them within our own country. I think we see ourselves as more or less um, single race, single religion nation, when this is not 100% correct, in my opinion. I think that although the majority of the population is Orthodox Christian, there are Catholics and Muslim people who live in Serbia, but they are like generally a, a minority, and I think this is why we don't notice it that much, and we don't we don't talk about it that often. And I think it also may depend on where in Serbia, like which part of Serbia you live in. But I think that there are definitely differences between us, but they're so often overlooked, and. With all that has been going on in the past few weeks and the Black Lives Matter movement, there has been one study uh, from Harvard University that placed Serbia at the top of the list. They said that Serbia was one of the countries with, with the least amount of racism. And I found this data to be really interesting because I think we're not that compatible to talk about racism because we are um, single race nation. Um, however, we do have a quite large Roma community in our country, and I think that there are a lot of stereotypes surrounding this group of people. You you automatically think about them as um, undereducated, poor, impolite, rude, maybe even aggressive, and I think this is not always the case. Um, so I would say that I wouldn't classify this as racism, but I think that there are um, definitely some serious stereotypes in our country. Yeah, I think that there we are a diverse community to some extent, but we don't really notice it that much and we don't talk about it. So these differences are sometimes overlooked. Firstly, I would agree with what you said about the second part of what you said about the fact that stereotypes still exist and we can't, we aren't quite in position to discuss racism as such, considering that we are predominantly white people, first things first, and then secondly, that we all, the majority of Serbian people are all orthodox, or, well, majority of people that live 
on the territory of Serbia. But I would disagree with the first part of what you said, how we don't notice these differences outside of stereotypes. I think a lot, a lot of people do notice them. And I think a lot of people, even the ones that have prejudices against Roma people, against the gypsies, do say them quite purposefully. And I don't think that it comes from, I want to be evil. It comes from, I think I was taught that I was just for some reason better than this person. And that is very unhealthy. And I think maybe it's a bit different for me because I I was fortunate enough to grow up in an environment which was almost 50-50 Serbian people and Slovak people. I lived in this small town called Stara Pazova. And I mean, we had three churches. We had two Orthodox churches and a Protestant church. And we also had a Catholic church, but very few people went there. So I can't really comment on it. And in some ways, we all saw each other as equal. It wasn't as predominant as it with Roma people where we say that, I don't know, they are better or worse, which I completely disagree with. No one is better or worse because of their race or religion or anything. There is no thing that, there is no value of human life that comes from those things. Every human life and every culture and everything is equal in the sense of how worthy it is. It is just how predominant it is in either media or how much it's talked about. But back to what I was saying, I think still, even though we all saw each other as equal, I think Serbian people and Slovak people kind of kept to themselves, I guess. And even though I played in the theme with Slovak girls, and even though I went to school with some of them, I think in some ways we were very close, but in others I think we were also very far apart because we didn't entirely understand each other's points of view. And sometimes I, I also I was I was so amazingly lucky that my I played volleyball for seven years and my coach was this amazing woman who would like it happened sometimes that we barely had any training. She would just sit us down and let us talk. And we talked about who we were, what we what we thought. And sometimes these conversations were silly about who likes who. And sometimes they were just really serious about religion and stuff. And I think I learned the most from her about that type of thing because she was half Slovak, half Serbian. Or no, actually, I'm sorry. She was Serbian, but she was married to a Slovak man. And so it kind of... I was lucky enough to learn to be accepting from a very young age and to learn that even though I can try to understand, I will never be in the shoes of someone who is from a different culture, but it's up to me to accept that culture and to help celebrate it in any way I can without pretending that it's my own because that's just as toxic as saying that that culture doesn't exist. And I think even though I came from this place of privilege when I speak of this, I think... Again, as I said, that there is a lot of stereotypes and there is a lot of things that need to still need to be changed and talked about. I don't know if any of that made any sense. I'm sorry. Um, like you guys were talking about, where everyone, not everybody, but the majority is the same. It's, it's, it's less likely to have that conflict or for that conflict to be not out loud, but to, to be more quiet and subtle in the way you guys interact with other people. Um, but America is, is vastly different in that we're definitely not a homogenous society. Um, everybody is, is completely different. Um, and and there, there might be a majority, but it's not, it's not um, predominant enough to make our, our, our culture 
all be one and that's what we if we're going back to the melting pot and, and salad bowl thing we're really not all one in the same and so that conflict is a lot more out loud and a lot more outspoken um and so i i can see how that'd be that would be different but there's a lot of things i didn't know and so that that was that was really insightful thank you and going back to religion because we mentioned it a bit how do you feel because you started this organization and i'm gonna look up the name so that i'm not mistaken it's interfaith youth miami and it's a group that discusses different religions so how did that start can you tell us a bit more about the organization first and foremost and how do you think it changed your view of the world and how it changed the participants and why do you think it's important Yes, I love that you brought up IFYM. Um, that's what I'm, I'm going to reference as IFYM just because it's the acronym. But yeah, Interfaith Youth Miami, um, that was such a big part of, of my high school experience. So after I spoke at the March for Our Lives um, movement that I was telling you about um, a little while ago, I was approached by a old classmate of mine from middle school. And he approached me and he said, I, I see that you're an outspoken person in your community. I think that we need to address religious stereotypes among young people, among high schoolers in our community. Um, Would you be interested in starting a project with me? Um, And so I almost immediately jumped on board because growing up, religious stereotypes have been prominent throughout my life. And, and And not just with my religion, but about other religions as well. I've seen those stereotypes play out in, in the hallways of our school and, and in classrooms. And, and I've seen that there really hasn't been enough conversation about interfaith relations and about our similarities rather than our differences. And so I almost immediately hopped onto this project and I was really excited to be a part of it. And so we founded this group and it started off really small. We met with like maybe like 10 kids at first at our first meeting and we grew into something much bigger. And so what IFYM does, we have we have monthly meetings that are, we usually tell the topic in advance and we usually center it around something. And so, for example, in April, when it was Earth Day, we had our meeting about how different religions view the environment and taking care of the environment. And just our goal is to try to break down stereotypes that other people have of different religions, especially... Um, the negative perceptions that people have and also to to highlight our our similarities rather than our differences and so sometimes we'll talk about art and religion what art means to different religions what significance that has we'll talk about food or food and religion or politics and so sometimes the conversations go all over the place and they and they and, and they're really interesting they're really authentic but we basically talk about these things in a classroom of our own creation to say and um, we're able to have these conversations, frankly. And so what the biggest thing of IFYM, besides meeting, meeting new people and, and making new friends, is that people are able to ask questions that they don't trust the internet to answer, right? And so if I have a question or it, so it, we make it a safe space, we designate it as a safe space before every meeting, and, and you're, you're able to ask questions like, to someone who probably has a more accurate and authentic answer. And so it's been really, really insightful. I've been able to meet a lot of new people. I've been able to learn a lot and grow and and recognize my own bias and also work to combat prejudice in my community and especially among high schoolers because like here and then in the hallway, you'll hear like little jokes about different religions and different people that people say. Um, And I'm not going to repeat them because I don't like them, but 
and those things are harmful and those things are hurtful and and it it really does leave an impact on people more than other people think and so starting this group has been really rewarding in the sense that i've been able to see people break down their own prejudice and and learn more about other people and and have dialogue that we really really need to continue having and so when i that was also i find was definitely also another inspiration for my podcast because i was hearing all these conversations about identity and about religion and i was like we need to do we need to record these like we need to have people we need to make them more accessible to other people because sometimes you people can't attend a meeting but it was really insightful and i wanted people to hear it and so a little while into my podcast i started recording some of these meetings and, and putting it on on the podcast as well because these conversations were just so interesting and people had such diverse and unique experiences but yeah that, that group has a very special place in my heart and it, it's definitely been a, a really great part of, of my high school experience i find you really inspiring and amazing i think like we're, we started on one side of, of the things you've done with the podcast now we're with this and it's just I'm really amazed that you have done so much in so little time, let's say. And you're so young and there's so much still coming for you. Thank you so much for being here today with us. Uh, Thank you. If you have any questions, concerns, you know you can always email us at tellmeastoryofficialmail at gmail.com. And now I'll leave the mic to Sara. Thank you again. Thank you to you, Aisha, for joining us and sharing your story and your voice with us. And thank you to everyone who listened to another episode of our show. And as always, we have prepared one quote for you. To effectively communicate, we must realize that we are all different in the way that we perceive the world and use this understanding as a guide to our communication with others. Anthony Robbins.